Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fun and exciting episode of Back to Basics. Now, if you've been keeping up with our episodes, and I hope you have, you may have noticed that this episode is going to be a continuation from last week's episode on uh, Genesis chapter 38. We are now into part three on this very, very involved chapter. So rather than having Courtney and I give you the whole spiel about this being a brand new episode, what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut right back to our episode already in progress that we cut off at the end last week. So I'm going to go ahead and pitch it right back to me and Courtney, and you can continue right where we left off. How much room for, just like a, a, in your professional opinion, though, how much room for interpretation idea, really, from a Christian angle, at least, is there? Um, um, because like, I, 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 I always hammer about this. I feel like there are facts. And no, there are not like alternative facts to that. Like these are harder to dig up facts, I feel like, because despite having the book, this stuff is really, 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 really old and was really old before it was written. Mm -hmm. So now when it comes down to it, you're basically asking the same question we started out with, which is how do you read the Bible? And that question is going to be different depending on who you are. Now, as Reformed progressive Protestants, we take a somewhat anachronistic kind of approach to it in that we start with our understanding of who God is, and then we look to the text to see how that God is presenting in the story and what we can learn about that God through the story. Now, I know you hate it when I give you vague ass answers like this, but I'm sorry, you're not going to get like super factual answers out of like a six to 8,000 year old text. It's just not fucking going to happen. Um, that being said, yeah, we've been over that. I know <laughs> you do have to establish what are your guideposts when reading the Bible now for your conservative reader of the Bible, whether that's, you know, your Hasidic or Orthodox Jewish reader of the old testament and the torah whether that's your crispy christian reader of the whatever their guideposts are always going to be i'm looking for the letter of the law so i know exactly which laws to game so i can beckett mariner myself out of this situation and get into heaven while still doing all the fucking crazy stuff i want um looking at you osteen that's what he's trying for that's what they're all trying for um i would contend that that is an inauthentic and inappropriate way to read the bible um, and to play in the and to play the advocate here, uh, yeah. the the devil's advocate here, uh, I think people would say that about us too, that we're cherry picking to get the information we want to. I'm not saying it's true. No. I'm saying that that is definitely something that's said about like liberal Christians, quote unquote. Um, and I think I think that that is inauthentic when it's said. And the reason I I, I will say that is this. Um, if you tell a conservative reader of the Bible that nuance is necessary, they'll say, no, it's not. If you tell a progressive reader of the Bible that these texts say this thing, the, the progressive reader of the Bible will say, okay, well, let's try to understand it better. Like the key difference at hand there is that one side is trying to look for a deeper understanding and the other side is trying to ignore nuance and depth in favor of a bigotry. Uh, yeah. And I think that's the key separative difference here. And that that's where I would draw the line. Like the, the complaint can be leveraged that yes, you're only looking at something just like we're only looking at something, but the underlying rationale for what, for what things and how is what I think is more important. So to a progressive reader of the scripture, we are of the understanding that God is love. You know, our, our uh, 
1 John 4 take on God is kind of core and central to our understanding here. If we understand, according to good old-fashioned Reformed theology, that God is the fountainhead of all that is good and true and pure in creation, then we look back on the Bible with that understanding, and then we look at some of the weird shit and say, okay, what's actually going on here? Because this doesn't look like the fountainhead of all that is good and true and pure. So let's look at the language and see if we can understand what the is happening here because that doesn't make sense there is a contradiction between what i'm reading and what i know somewhere in that is the truth and we start trying to pick it apart that's what we're doing i know that and you know that i just i also know what's the stuff that shows up in the comments and to a certain extent despite the fact that i almost never read them um i disclaimer myself into oblivion and then i forget what i was saying <laughs> i do the same thing no worries Part of the problem of a lot of things right now, though, is what is good. Like you said, mm -hmm. God is all that's good. What is good seems to vary by opinion. This, you know, <laughs> you you can notice me doing the Japanese thing right there because I'm getting ready to say a thing. Um, oh, everybody, strap in. Yeah, everybody, strap pause in. the video now and go to the bathroom if you need to. He's going to go on a tear. <laughs> All right. So look, try, try, try to keep it, try to keep it so, slightly reined in. Oh, no, we're, we're already almost certainly getting a two parter out of this one. I may as well have fun. Fine. Go ahead. <laughs> no, we need more like, episodes anyway. Go ahead. Yeah. <sighs> so this, this is kind of the thing is you mentioned the idea of good being subjective. And I'm going to lay this as simply as possible. It's fucking not like, this is this is a hard I'm of, the, I'm of the same opinion but yeah this is one of those hard and simple truths that the American culture in particular has diluted over the last 20 or 30 years the idea that good is something that's open for debate you see this in conservatives who talk about things like tough love which is a contradiction in fucking terms like you cannot be brutal and loving at the same time the two don't work together you can't make complex justifications that say, well, if you don't feed the homeless, you're really being loving because you're teaching them to be self-sufficient. No, you're being an ass. Like, it's not that complicated. It never was that complicated. But we have cultured this idea in America that all opinions have validity. So when someone says, oh, well, in my opinion, feeding the homeless is a terrible thing and not feeding them is a good thing in my opinion left is right and up is down and good is bad and all of that like you know the conservatives make the same argument they're not necessarily wrong that that's become the case the only issue that they have there is that the conservatives are the one peddling it in the end we come up with a position that good is relative that good is ephemeral that good is indefinable according to another person's opinion and it's not good is taking care of the widow and the orphan and the immigrant among you good is justice and mercy and peace and grace and love above all these things it is love the bible and is all that not... stuff that's in the pretty red letters that they like to ignore these days exactly the bible is not obscure or unclear about what that is now if you want Jesus to... is a lot more direct than what we're reading right now uh -huh. i feel like With... he, he he speaks plainly and then also gives you some example metaphors <laughs> and is like mm -hmm. did, did you get the lesson did you no. get it? Did you get it? Let on, me speak go. louder for the people <laughs> in the back. Love your neighbor, bitches. <laughs> Did I stutter? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not hard to assume here. And so 
to to bring it all the way back to today's passage that we've got almost an entire half of the video that's kind of gone away from that. Um, <laughs> to bring it back to today's passage, when we read here and we ask the question, where is God in the story of Tamar? That's the question we're really asking. Because Tamar been through some shit. Like she's really not been well treated by Judah or life at this point. And the, the whole God murdering one, arguably two of her husbands, doesn't seem like God's been doing her a lot of favors either. This, this is, I have, I have a potential answer. Obviously, I don't know, uh, spoilers, I don't have the fancy education and shit, so I, I could be wrong. But. Me too. <laughs> can I, can I give my general interpretation of this since you just Please. went on a tear? This reads to me like a story that doesn't really in, involve God, like a, a whole hell of a lot at all. And I still think it has a place in the Bible because you're talking about how messed up the situation was. And you're seeing someone who has been put through, like you said, a ridiculous amount of trauma, deciding, no, I'm changing this now and figuring out how she's going to take action, catching her moment when she can and just forcing agency on herself <laughs> like you know what no she's smart she's clever and she saves herself from a situation that was totally out of her control i think it like learning about it i would never have said that before just looking at this passage but learning about like what's actually behind all of this good for fucking tomorrow <laughs> and in the situation she did i or did i not warn you about that at the beginning um, yeah, no, to me, this is a, uh, with it, with the background and everything on its own, it's just fucking bizarre. Um, but learning the background and everything, this isn't, it's inspirational, really. This, it, there's, we take a break from this, this story of men and how they fuck up God's orders to show you how, uh, a woman repeatedly victimized by the culture and not really done any favor, a whole, well, no, I mean, it, that guy was an asshole, but it, it him dying didn't leave her. It, God didn't put her in a worse position. Judah did. So, yeah. yeah, like, basically people screwing her over. Yeah, and that's worth noting um, that we talk about God didn't do her any favors. And I said that exact thing. And you're quite right to point out that God didn't do her any favors, but God didn't actually oppress her either. Like, it was... No, God just said, you're, you're yeah. this fucking scumbag... Yeah, he's gonna go because let's, he's untrust he's an untrustworthy rapist which yeah. i mean let's uh, not uh, dismiss <laughs> the fact that onan committed a rape let's not forget about that yes so i'm gonna quite a few of them from the sound of it yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna piggyback on what you say actually and i'm not the only thing i take issue with what you said there was that you said that god isn't present in the story and i disagree i don't see god. god in the story i'm interested where he is we talk about God being present in a story as if we're looking for God as a third party present in the story. But the one thing when we're reading the Bible we rarely ever give credit to is the imagio Dei, the reflection of God within ourselves. When we're looking at Bible stories, oftentimes what we're looking for is the divinity of the people in the stories, that echo and reflection of God showing us as divine in that moment. And where we see the reflection of God here is in Tamar, oppressed and defeated, saying, you know what? 
this stops. This ends now. And in that- She just rises up like a phoenix, uh, twists the situation around her to her benefit and comes out of it uh apparently in a better position and with twin boys she's got she's got family she doesn't have to deal with any more judah's family shit (laughs) where is god in this story exploding out of tamar and her development of agency and her taking advantage of the situation and becoming her own powerful self you want to know where god is god is right there god is part of tamar and her story not a separate third party not some arcane force hovering over the situation and present with him like god's present with all of us in our hearts no god was reflecting into tamar and she was reflecting god in her grasping of agency taking control of a situation that by all legal rights she should have had no power over like there was nothing in the legal code that allowed her to do anything of what she did but bam she threaded that needle and she took control of her life in a way that should not have been possible. I feel like there's going to be a lot of people who see us calling, or see you specifically, I'm just being bowled over by this and feeling like this is an utter revelation to me. Um, <laughs> just hearing that Tamar effectively is doing a God thing by... <laughs> By uh, by tricking Judah into fucking her on the side of the road. Look, I'm not going to say that in all <laughs> situations you can fuck your way out of trouble, but I am going to say that God's not above using that. And truth be told, like there's nothing there's nothing wrong with sex. Uh, no, it, there isn't. We are a sex positive people here at Unfinished. Very early in all of this, I, I dropped the safe, sane, and consensual line. Um, mm-hmm. but it's and it's the reason i i'm like oh dear about that is it's not my community but it's something that i think effectively came out of the kink community Mm -hmm. and it applies to so much Mm -hmm. like i feel like everything should pass that basic litmus test not just kink like especially when it comes well did wait a minute wait a minute i'm sorry i'm so sorry to back the truck up but here uh doesn't tamar effectively uh commit rape by fraud by uh you know tricking judah into boning her no i wouldn't say so um because i mean he 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 solicited her of his own free will he solicited her of his own free will he did not set terms by which she could have sex with him he asked for her to have sex with him uh, and then she okay she and then she's like all right what will you give me and he makes an offer and she's like okay yeah. it was a you're right it's a business it transaction opens with his consent to the act but a good question but like that's actually a good question the fact like, that it's his daughter-in-law though <laughs> yeah now question like most of the questions about consent in this are kind of turned on their head like she is committing a roughly deceptive act in what she's doing and i say roughly because she never claims to be a prostitute he assumes and she doesn't correct him um you know she wears clothing that might be mistaken for you know a temple prostitute but there are no as as is pointed out later there aren't any temple prostitutes in the city so like he kind of should have known better um so like it's unclear whether she's being accurately deceptive or whether she's simply straddling that line no pun intended um so the fraud issue here like if she really went out of her way to seduce him, maybe that might have been fraud. Like if she if she came up and said, "Hey, I'm a temple prostitute. You want to get some of this?" Like 
that might have been rape by fraud. And it's good of us to look at that because it it is culturally harder for us to ask that question of men, have they been raped, than it is to ask that question of women. That's a Yeah, I had this while... this moment of like, uh, shame on you, Courtney. Like this can... <laughs> but... Yeah, there are, there are ex- let's different look at, specific let's look at circumstances. Let's 16 here. Judah saw her and he took her for a whore for she had covered her face and he turned aside by the road and said, here, pray, let me fuck you. Like, he is that opened, what it says in that translation? No, it doesn't. I, I oh. summarized it using a more colloquial interpretation. It, it really says, Here, let me come to bed with you. But uh, that's what he's saying. Like, using the actual harshness of the term in modern English, yeah, he's saying, Here, let me fuck you. Um, that's what's being said here. So he opens with consent. He's like, I want to do this thing, no conditions. What is it going to take for me to get me into you? Like, that's where he's starting. So there's no rape by fraud here. Um, he's opening with his desire to do that. Um, so that that is worth the note here. The deception here doesn't go to the same level. Um, so, like, he, he hasn't established conditions. Like, if he had come in and yeah, said... Yeah, so it would, be, it would be like if they established the conditions and then he didn't pay. Yeah. Which exactly. he didn't, but he tried. <laughs> Well, like if at the end, if at the end of the story, like he had established, she had established the conditions, and if he had actually burned her at the stake, he would have raped her by fraud. That would have retroactively turned the whole thing into rape by fraud of Tamar again. Yeah, he couldn't. He couldn't kill her for prostitution since. <laughs> and, and in a way, you almost Bro, like this in, was you in Judah saying, "Oh, oh shit!" At the end. You can almost see echoes of the realization of what happened to Onan. Like, oh, yeah, if I killed you, then I would be going back on my word, which would mean that the whole thing was raped by fraud. And God just killed one of my sons over that. Uh, so you got me. Yeah. I'm. I, apologies, everyone, that I have to hash this stuff out, but it it is... A th- it is my unofficial jo- shitster is my unofficial job title, I think, at yeah. Unfinished. But also, like, <laughs> that's the whole reason we're doing this series. Even if only, like, two people watch every episode, I don't care. Like, the whole reason we're doing this is to put this out there so that people have something to see where we actually talk through this shit. And I know you, I know from experience from, like, you know, years of phone calls from being close friends that you are a stubborn SOP and there is in a specific way that there is no many number of times that I can ask for specific clarification that you're just going to be like oh shut up (laughs) I'm never going to tell you to shut up I will point out if what you're asking for is ridiculous um but I'm never going to tell you to shut up that's that's not how this works um so but I, 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 that said, I do think it might be time for us to shut up now. We've gotten a lot out of here. Was there yeah, anything else you I want think, to share? Uh, I'm going to have to check our our full length of this particular recording session at the end. But dear listener, I probably, am, I'm pretty sure we got down to like a regular episode and then have like the extended cut of it. Or we can cut it into multis. I don't know. Honestly, I think cutting it into two episodes is something that we have done a number of times. Uh, mostly get out because of control. we... We don't. We get out of control and don't know when to shut up. But again, it's all good. Like this is stuff that needed to be talked about. Um, like this it's is a really interesting passage. I, I, yeah, I probably never would have even found this, let alone, yeah, like like uh, gotten the insight about it. Yeah, 
I'll be honest, like the first part of this that we covered last week, the the Onan wasn't actually masturbating y'all, um, that whole bit, like I have gone back to that well a number of times because, you know, me being me, I get in regular fist fights with purity culture because fuck that shit. Um, yeah, but it's I not real even, healthy. Yeah. Psychologically. Oh God. Yeah. Like, but no, I haven't even dug into the second half of the story of Tamar, where Tamar turns the whole thing on her end on the on her end. <laughs> turns the whole, she got she does. She turns the whole thing on its end and uh just absolutely seizes her agency. I haven't dug into that that part of the story in a while. And so it was nice even for me to dig into that. Like, because I'm used to beating the masturbatory horse over its head until it's dead. But this this bit is just as important. Yeah. You know and- that some <laughs> that there's not really anything wrong being a prostitute, not really anything wrong with having a respectful transaction with a prostitute. Ain't nothing wrong with fucking your way to the top so long as everyone's on board with it. Like, oh, and I think this is the ultimate theme that I want us to take away from actually this whole chapter. This is such a weird show. I'm sorry. Everyone. It is, but it's a good thing. We like being weird. We get our freak on here. That's how the Bible works. What? It's a freaky ass book. Phrasing. <laughs> no, but seriously, this is the takeaway. This is the takeaway that I want us to have on at, at the end of this passage here. There are so many different weird directions with respect to sex that, or at least weird from our modern set of uh, presumptions that happen in this chapter. And in the end, the only thing God gets pissed about is the violation of consent. That's it. Like every other sexual piece of this story, fucking your brother's wife, sexual contracts, um, prostitution, um, using your sexual agency as a means of baby trapping your father-in-law to get around an oppressive cultural restriction. None of that gets the ban hammer (laughs) from God. The only thing that does is violation of consent. And that is what every time sex comes up in the Bible again and again and again, that's the only thing. Like you, you do whatever you want to with your dick and or squishy parts, and that that's all. Whatever, as long as everyone's on board with it and happy and signing off on things, there's nothing to worry about. Period. Welp. So, if you've managed to watch to the end of, uh, I'm going to say both of these episodes, possibly all three. I don't know how long we've been going here. Uh, good job. Well, well done on you. You've stuck around for several episodes of us talking about sex. So, you know, (laughs) congratulations. Good job. Well done. You know, now we're all going to do a happy dance and I'm going to invite you to join in the discord server where we're continuing to talk about sex over in our NSFW channel, because these things. We also share goofy memes. Yeah. Uh, We also talk, you know, share art and fellowship and prayer and fellowship and talk about goings on and Like, we also it's, have it's, our... it's, a, it's a pretty dope server. I like it. And to be clear, it's not just a for fun server. Like it's a legit church. Like we have our own leadership team. We have church members, all that fun stuff that you get from the church up on the corner there. We got two. So uh, in fact, we are, by the time this is airing anyway, we have already started our new member course. Um, and so if you are a member of our server, who's watching this, uh, sign up for that and then get yourself the ability to vote on shit and serve in leadership and all that other fun stuff. So yeah, if you if you want to join a church that lets a goober like me into a leadership role, <laughs> you want to join a church that lets a goober like me be the pastor, you're in the right place. 
So yeah, we got that. We've got our monthly Bible study that comes up. We've got uh, worship services right now, which are on the first Sunday of every month. We got shit going on, yo. Come join us. It's fun, I promise. Um, otherwise, have yourselves a great week and we will catch you on the next episode. Like, share, and subscribe. Oh, yes, Bye. those things. Do those things. Bye. Bye. Do the things.